that you have sent to bring victory for us. And those that knows the word knows the truth. And Jesus, you said the truth shall make you free. And I pray tonight that you'd open up the hearts of the people and the minds. Let the hearts and minds be total receptive to thy word and thy teaching, that they too can receive whatever they need from God. Help them to understand, Lord, that this will probably be the most important message they've ever heard in their life. They might have heard it before, but if they have, it was most important then. But if they've never heard it, this could possibly be the most important message that they've ever heard in, my, in their lives. Because, Jesus, I know what you told me. The reason the church was in trouble with you and did not receive no more power of yours than what they received. It was because of this. Help every ear to be listening closely tonight. Help them to receive. And then every day the rest of their lives do what is taught to them from thy word tonight. And total victory shall be theirs in every aspect of life. Total victory in Jesus' name. And everybody is said together, Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Thank you, Lord. I better say hello to New Life Bible School summer ministry class in Cleveland, Tennessee. If I don't, they may get me. We're in the middle of a Bible school course there. We have a class there that's, uh, people come from all over the country, about 20 states, I think, and two or three different foreign countries. And uh, we have a ministry going on there this summer, training people to believe God. God told me to start a Bible school that, to teach God's Word and have no textbooks. So I started six, seven years ago, and that's exactly what we do. Now, I said that to you tonight because that you could see what the Lord has dealt with me about as far as the church is concerned. The Spirit of God moved upon me one day since he'd called me to teach. Now, I haven't been a Bible teacher all of my life, and I, I didn't know why God had called me. I couldn't, believe it. I couldn't even believe God would call me to teach the Bible, but he did. I was an executive as far as the world is concerned. I dropped out of school when I grew up. I mean, <laughs> I was born into the world in a Southern Baptist family. It's not easy to get like this. <laughs> you have to work at it. <laughs> but I was born into the world in a Southern Baptist family, and uh, at the age of nine, at the age of 10, my mother died with cancer. And uh, I didn't know why she died and left us three little children alone, and neither did anybody else. They just, we just know that she died with cancer. We didn't know if God had anything to do with it or the devil or what. Most of them thought that God had something to do with it, but they just said, you know, God knows what he's doing. I had a little sister. I was 10. My little sister was 10, about 11 and a half, and my brother was 14. And so about three or four years after that, my brother was playing football in high school at the age of 17. He was the oldest of us three. He took brass disease as a football player in high school, and he uh, died at the age of 19. Well, I mean, you know, after your mother dies, and after the only brother you got dies, you just kind of forget the whole mess. 
So I just dropped out of school at an early age, as early as I possibly could. Went to Knoxville, Tennessee and began to work. Became a pool hustler. Hustled pool around the country for a while. And then I got in a job where I began to travel to colleges and universities. And uh, when I did, I didn't make any money at the job the first year to speak of, just expenses mainly. But then I began to make money and it began to grow and I began to work hard. My daddy had taught me to work. And I worked myself up. I remember I used to work as a kid for 25 cents a day. I worked 8 and 10 and 12 long, hard, hot, sweaty hours for 25 cents. And uh, the grown men made 50 cents a day. And uh, you just, they just didn't pay their money in those days, that's all, when I was a teenager. And I began to work and I began to be successful in my business. And I began to work real hard and wasn't very long until I was making $100 a day. Wasn't very long, I kept on working. About two or three years later, I was making $1,000 a day. And you start making four, five, six, seven thousand dollars a week. It don't take very long for you to get what you want. And uh, so I began to, I got what I wanted real quick like, as far as the world was concerned. I was not happy. I thought for some unknown reason, I don't know why I thought this, I thought if you had money and you were rich, you'd be happy. I don't know why I thought that. It's stupid, but I thought it anyway. I guess because the world taught it to me. That's why I thought that. But after I began to make and become an executive in my business, then I went from an executive, executive into owning the place. I just bought the whole manufacturing company. So I, I thought, well, I'd be happy. But I was not happy. When I got my little mansion and my four Cadillacs and all my tailor-made suits and, and my Broadway stage plays down and my golf courses and everything that goes with the, the life of success and all of my rich friends, I was empty on the inside down here, and I was confused up here. But I could sell, and I was a sales manager, and I, I taught my people how to sell, and I began, after I owned the place, I began to teach my supervisors how to teach the salesman how to sell. That was my extent of experience in teaching. But my life was empty, and I began to wonder if I died, if I'd go to hell or not, I didn't know for sure. And so on a business trip at Georgia Tech, I got tired of having money and no, no peace and no happiness. So I fell on my knees at Georgia Tech and gave my life to God. And I didn't feel a thing when I did it, but I just, I did it. The next week I was riding in my car from a stockholders meeting that I had for two days and two nights, riding in my Cadillac from Columbus, Ohio to Indianapolis, Indiana, where I lived at that particular time. And on old Highway 40, coming and out from Columbus, Ohio towards Indianapolis, I began to say a little prayer. And all of a sudden, it was as much a shock to me as it would be to you if it happened to you. All of a sudden, I began to say a little prayer, here come God, right down into my car. And I broke, because I was an executive, I didn't cry for nothing or nobody. I handled my employers with authority and I told them exactly what to do. And if you couldn't do the job, I would fire you. And I didn't, I tried to be kind to them, but I was strong and strict in the world where my where, the, where my business was concerned. That's the reason I was successful. You can be successful in business if you're a good worker and you're strict. Uh, if you deal with a loose hand, you'll play loose. If you'll take care of your business and work hard, 
then you'll make money and you can be wealthy even in the world without God. You understand that? The only reason you can is because it's the law of the land. God says if you'll work hard and you'll be honest, I will bless you and he will, I'll guarantee you. And in those days, I was basically an honest man. I would not cheat anybody out of anything. But my life didn't belong to God, it belonged to me. But I worked hard and I was honest. And I didn't expect something for nothing. I went out and made what I wanted. But I was empty and the Lord came in my car and said he wanted me. He wanted me to come and follow him. And uh, so I couldn't believe it. I couldn't even believe it happened to me, but it did happen to me. And I cried for an hour and a half. I cried from Columbus, Ohio, into the city limits of Richmond, Indiana. When I got home, I thought everybody would be pleased that the Lord Jesus came and visited me in my car. <laughs> I walked in, I like I was a, looked like I was from another world, and they said, what happened to you? You looked like a ghost. I said, uh, there's no use in me telling you what happened to me. You wouldn't believe it. I don't know if I believe it myself or not, but uh, it happened anyway. And I said, can you believe that Jesus came in my car and sat and talked to me? He said, it was about an hour and a half. Can you believe that he... Uh, and they said, what? Who? I said, the Lord. I said, can you believe that God wants me? And they said, oh, well, I don't know. And I said, I'm giving my life totally to him. I mean, I'm giving my life totally to him. And I'm going to do anything God wants me to do. I can't believe that God would come in my car and stay with me for an hour and a half. I can't, I, I can't believe it happened to me, but it did happen to me. And I'm going to give my life totally to him. And I told God then, I said, God, I don't know anything about you. I don't know anything about God, except I helped build the First Baptist Church. And I didn't teach me very much about God, just because he helped build a building. And so I gave, my, I gave my life totally to him. I mean my life. I don't mean my heart. Many people give their heart to God and they do their own thing and live their own life. I gave my life totally to God. But I didn't know anything about God. Never did know anything about God to speak of. Just a little bit, you know. And I talked to Dr. Pruitt. And he knew, I knew he knew God better than I did. That was my pastor. But I came in contact with one Pentecostal full gospel preacher. Now, I didn't even know that Pentecostal people was on the earth. I didn't know that people was on earth that talked funny. I didn't know anything about healing lines. I didn't know anything about nothing like that. I didn't even know that Pentecostal people existed on earth. But after he walked into my business one day, the Lord told me to talk to him. So when I talked to him, I said, what do you think will happen to me? He says, well, I don't know what will happen to you. I says, the call of God's on me so strong, I can't stand it. And I don't even know anything about God. But I said, God, Jesus wants me. And I said, I don't even know anything about him. What does he want me for? What does he want me for? I don't know what he wants me for. I just want to be a nice First Baptist businessman, successful, and, you know, and die and go to heaven. <laughs> I don't want to get involved in funny people. and I don't want to get involved because I see right now my family is not going to accept this. You might say, if I accept the Lord Jesus Christ and start doing what he wants me to do, do you think my family would be happy for that? Probably not. All depends on what you do. If you go to church and be nice, they might accept that part. But if you ever start obeying God, I'm not sure your friends will. You'll probably wind up like me with a whole set of new friends. Whole set. 
Thank God my friends now are a lot sweeter than the old ones, I can tell you that. And so I just went on. I didn't know anything about God to speak of. And so I thought, well, you know, uh, I'm going to get God. I asked God, I said, God, you'll have to train me. Uh, I'm available. I'll do anything you want me to do, God. Just let me know and I'll do anything you want me to do. He sent me to the city dump. <laughs> for what? Well, to work for him. What do you do at the city dump? Well, I uh, witnessed to people about Jesus. They were so goofed up, they'd listen to anybody. <laughs> and I'd take some money out of my pocket and I'd feed them. And I would go pray for them from shack to shack, from stinking shack to stinking shack. And that's all I live in at the city dump. Poverty, totally poverty. And I worked there for seven years. And uh, when I worked in that kind of ministry, in different kind of ministries for seven years, God told me when at the city dump, said, if you'll be faithful to me here, I see that I'll promote you. Every time I walk out in front of 100,000 people like this, I think about that. Or every time I walk out in front of a big congregation, I think about that. What God told me at the city dump one day, I'll promote you. So after working for Jesus at the city dump in the ministry of helps for seven years, he said, I want you to start studying the Bible, son, on the subject of faith. I said, faith? Oh, yeah, what's that? And I started studying the Bible, and I found out that you could, if you, anybody on earth, if you could believe God for something before you see it, then you'll get to see it. Did you get that? If you can believe God for something before you see it, then you'll get to see it. If you're waiting to see it to believe God, then you're not going to, that's not faith, and it won't work for you. God is a faith God, and that's all the way he operates is through faith. Faith in what? Faith in whatever you need on earth. He's promised you everything you need in the Bible, and once you have faith in that, then he'll give it to you. Shame the church hadn't found that out yet. Most of them I've ever been in. I had 13 people to travel with me one time, one summer, and I trained them and worked with them, and we had witnessing teams and things like that, and they'd hear me speak every night. And we'd have, at the end of the summer, I told them, I told them all, I said, well, it's a shame. I said, you know, but I said, and I was teaching on the subject of faith one night, I said, now, you take these 13 people here that travels with me. I said, none of them even knows what it is. And they all went, in fact, many people that goes around the country teaching faith don't have no idea what it is. They just kind of teach it. They teach it because they heard somebody else teach it. They teach it the same way that somebody else teaches it, but it don't work for them, you see. And if you, you, can, you, can, you can hear Kenneth Hagin teach the Bible, you can hear Lester Summerall teach the Bible, and if you can hear, if you're just going to teach it because the same way they teach it, and it's not a part of you, then it won't work for you. All you're doing is you've got a head knowledge of faith and you're teaching, you're teaching it that way, and you wonder why it don't work for you. Well, it's not going to work for you, because until you get it on the inside of your spirit. You have to get it on the in, You have to get the Bible, my brother and sister, on the inside of you. The Bible only works for people that gets it on the inside of them. And you have to learn, that's what tonight's going to be about, you have to learn to put first things first. If you don't ever learn to put first things first, you'll always be second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. What does that mean? That means you'll be somewhere down the road in God's permissive will. Somewhere along the line you'll be in God's permissive will in some phase. The Lord Jesus Christ appeared to Kenneth Hagin a few years ago and talked to him about an hour and a half one night and told him, he said, 
That's the very reason that people die young and pastors die young and many people die young and don't live their life out because they always operate in my permissive will, somewhere out there in my permissive will. They never strive to get into my perfect will. They never strive, and it costs them their life. Jesus told Kenneth Hagin that night, he said, it's a good thing that, I, that you, you, you're laying flat of this bed and can't get up out the, in the hospital so I can come and talk to you because you were going to die yourself in seven years. And he's only 48 years old. as said, one year before Amos started. The Lord said, you're going to die yourself in seven years if I had to get to talk to you. He said, because you've been refusing to prophesy when my spirit of prophecy would come upon you and you'd refuse to prophesy. He said, that was going to cost you your life because you wouldn't prophesy. You mean to tell me that God would let somebody like Kenneth Hagin die because they wouldn't prophesy? Hey, tell me about it. Are you kidding me? You better believe it. When you've been called to do something and you don't do it, that's called rebellion. It's just witchcraft in the eyes of God. Totally witchcraft. So I don't have no choice, my brother and sister, but to teach you a message like this tonight because God told me it was absolutely, it was absolutely the fault of the church. That's the reason the church was in trouble with him as far as getting his power to manifest itself is because the church was sadly lacking in this particular area. Now turn with me quickly, please, to the 15th chapter of the book of St. Matthew. Let's get started with the scriptures. I just want to take a few minutes the first night and basically explain to you how I got this way. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't get this way. I didn't get this way overnight. I didn't get this from God, whatever, whatever I have from God, whatever he's entrusted, entrusted me in, I didn't get it just to be doing. After I worked seven years with no offerings, no love gifts, I took money out of my pocket and worked seven years, and I, didn't, well, I wasn't looking for any offerings. I wanted to work for Jesus because I was in love with him, Be because he saved my life totally, just totally saved my life. And the greatest decision that I ever made in my life after I got saved was I just, I, this pastor would tell me this, and this evangelist would tell me this, and my friend over here would tell me this, and this friend would tell me this, and uh, healing's been done away with, and miracles have been done away with, and, and they'd say, well, maybe you can get it here, and maybe you can get it there. So one day I just got fed up with the whole bunch, took my Bible, opened up in the floor, Bob, just opened up in the floor. I said, God, everybody tells me a different story about certain things, and I said, from now on, I'm just going to believe you and I'm going to believe the Bible I'm going to believe all the New Testament I don't care what it says I'm going to believe it and I, it doesn't make any difference what it says I'm going to believe it morning, noon and night and let the world believe what they want to believe and I just make up my mind today whatever you tell me to do and whatever I read in here that's exactly what I'm going to claim if you promise me something I'm going to claim it in Jesus name by faith if you tell me to do something I'm going to do it without shame in Jesus name I want to be delivered just like Paul I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I said that, when I said that, the Lord said to me, good, show me. <laughs> you tell God, I'm going to believe the book of Matthew. All right, he'll say, good, show me you believe. And you'll be put to a test. I guarantee you, you'll be put to a test. And I thought, you know, and I was going along, and the anointing was on me pretty strong, you know. And I was going along pretty good, you know, and my ministry was growing some, you know, and I was getting stronger in the Lord a little bit, you know, along. And then in the, in the car one day, God moves up on me and unfolded this message to me, and I'm telling you, it was something else. I couldn't, I couldn't hardly believe what I was hearing. And he says, I want you to teach the church. Son, I want you to help me teach the church. They're missing me. They're missing me. They're missing me. They're missing me. And it's so easy. They're missing me. Yeah. 
Okay, Lord. Excuse me. Yeah. Amen. Uh, turn, keep your finger down the 15th chapter of the book of Matthew and turn over to the 12th, to, to the 11th chapter of the book of Matthew. Yeah, it's easy to follow him if you believe him. He wanted me to show you the scriptures that it was. That's the reason when he dealt with me right there when I was talking, he said, you better show him that. All right, the 11th chapter of the book of Matthew, the 29th verse, Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Well, when God called me, I didn't know anything about God. What do you mean learn of him? I didn't know anything about... I had to learn everything about God. I didn't know anything to speak up about God except I knew he saved people. But the church that I was raised up in, they made fun of healing services. They made fun of miracles. They thought speaking in tongues is of the devil. And uh, I got news for your dumb head. If you're going to believe that way, if, I, if you're going to believe that way, you might as well lay the Bible down and just get under the bed because you're not going to get anywhere with God believing that healing is not part of the day and miracles make fun of them. Speaking in tongues is the devil. If that's the kind of gospel you're going to preach, you're sicker than the devil. <laughs> in fact, the devil believes it. He knows it's true. That's the reason he tries to stop you. And to get up and tell people that you don't believe in this and make fun of this and make fun of that and make fun of this. Hey, I've got news for you. You're in bad trouble with God. Amen. In all of my life, I went to church and we printed up great bulletins in the First Baptist Church. We print up great bulletins, you know. Sunday school hour at 10 o'clock. Worship hour at 11 o'clock. But we never did worship anything. <laughs> all the time I went to church, I was never taught to worship anything. I was taught to go to church and sit there and be nice. When I say be nice, I mean be quiet, real quiet. And yeah, oh yeah, for years. Sunday school hour at 10 o'clock, worship hour at 11 o'clock, but we never did worship anything. What are you involved in when you don't worship anything? Uh-huh. You got to put first things first. This is why Jesus is easy. The 29th verse is, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Everybody say, learn of Jesus. Learn of Jesus. Everybody say, learn my responsibility. Learn my responsibility. To, God. to God. All right, now notice what he says. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Look at me straight. Everybody across America, look at me straight. You're looking at a man that's found rest unto his soul. I haven't had a sad day in my life in years. I haven't had an unsuccessful day in my life in years. I haven't had a confused day in my life in years. None. Not one. I don't never have one day up and one day down. I don't have any sad days. God don't have any sad days. I don't even believe in having sad days. I believe all of your days are supposed to be full of life, and full of joy, and full of compassion, and full of victory. All of them. Every one of your days. Your days on this earth is precious. 
They're going to be over in a few days. Didn't you know that? Your life on this earth is like the grass. It'll be cut down before long and it'll be withered away. And nobody won't even know you. They won't even know how that you've been here after you've been dead a few years. If you're going to do anything for God, you better do it now. So let take, learn about Jesus and learn what he is and how he fulfills your life in every avenue of your life. You won't have any sad days either. I don't have any nervous days either. I'm full of patience. In front of you are a devil-possessed person. You say, what do you do with a devil-possessed person? You cast the devil out of him in Jesus' name. I go to church. They don't believe in that novel. What do you think I ought to do? Find yourself another church. <laughs> don't waste your time going to churches that don't believe the Bible. I mean, if you're not going to believe the Lord Jesus Christ, you're in bad trouble already. Totally bad trouble. Notice the 30th verse. Jesus said, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. My yoke is easy. What does that mean? Well, see, the yoke of sickness is bad. Man, the yoke of cancer will kill you. It killed my mother. The yoke of grass disease, the kidney disease, will kill you. It killed my only brother, a football player in high school. It'll kill you. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. That means if you and me will give up totally, life will be so easy for you. Receiving miracles from God is so easy for you. You will see people tonight that will receive miracles from God, and it will be the easiest thing that you've ever seen in your life. You say, do you think so? Are you kidding? No, I don't think so. I know so. <laughs> the phone will be ringing this place tomorrow like wildfire. Saying, oh my God, it just came to me. What did? The miracle, it just came to me. I mean, when you please God, miracles just show up. Amen. They just show up. It's like, it's like when, you, when you read the Bible and get the Word of God on the inside of you, faith just shows up. Faith cometh to you by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But now, first of all, you must listen to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not going to listen to Jesus, you're going to be in trouble the rest of your life. Now, I'm saying to all of America and in this great church over 4,000 seats in Dallas, Texas, you better learn something once and for all. If you're not going to listen to Jesus, you're in bad trouble. Listen to what he says closely in the 15th chapter of the book of St. Matthew. Listen to what he says closely. The 8th verse. Jesus said, if you have a red letter edition, this is Jesus talking. This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But Jesus said in the ninth verse there, but in vain they do worship me. What does that mean? That means print up programs we're holding the worship hour at 11 o'clock, but you don't ever, don't ever worship God. In vain they do worship me. That means your worship don't count. You try, but it's just not, you're not putting it first. Yeah, that's right, Lord. Yeah, I know he did. I know he did. One time Jesus was talking to a lawyer. How are you believing me? The lawyer said, I am... 
I am believing you that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy mind and all thy soul. Thou shalt have no other gods before thee. Uh, Jesus, the lawyer said, I, I believe something else too. This is just as important as that. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus said, Do these two, and thou shalt live. Jesus said, Thou hast spoke correctly. Now do these two, and thou shalt live. If you will not put any other gods before Jesus, and if you will spend time worshiping him, and you'll have a spirit of giving like Bob was talking about tonight. The church, first of all, give to God, first of all. Give to God, first of all. And then give to people that's in need. Because it's like, it's like, it's like Jesus said, the greatest gospel preacher that's ever lived was John the Baptist that paved the way for him. And it's the kind of gospel that he preached. Repent and I'll baptize you here in the River Jordan. Repent and I'll baptize you here in the River Jordan. But the Pharisees and Sadducees came, want to be baptized, he said. <laughs> No. Where's your fruits? To God. You come to me and you want to be baptized? Where's your fruits to God? I'm not baptizing you unless you bring fruits to God. Where's your fruit? They said, fruit? Fruit! Every tree John the Baptist preached, every tree, when the Bible speaks of trees, it's talking about people. Every tree that beareth not good fruit shall be hewed down and cast into the fire. Every tree. And every tree means you, my brother and sister. And if you're sitting out there anywhere in America and you say, I, I, I don't never, I don't never win any souls for Jesus. I don't bring sinners to church. I never win no souls for Jesus. I don't tithe to the church. I don't bring God very much. You better get started because your life will soon be over. You only get one chance to do what God told you to do. You better get started. You better get started quickly. He said, go get fruits. Bring them back to God. He said, and John the Baptist said, don't give me this thing about, well, you know, we're the sons of Abraham. He says, God that I serve can raise up children of these stones to be his if he so chooses to. So don't tell me that, don't tell me that Abraham is your relative. I won't buy that. If Abraham is your relative, you'll bring fruits unto God. Where's your fruit set? He said, well, 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 John, what do you mean? What should we do, John? What should we do? John the Baptist said, if you have two coats, give one coat to him that don't have one. Not only with your raiment, not only with your coats, but your meat also. If you have meat, and somebody else is hungry, give them part of your meat. Do you understand that kind of gospel? 
Most churches don't preach that kind of gospel anymore. But Jesus just wanted me to share that with you. He said, well, that's what John the Baptist preached. And I already said that he was no man that's ever been born is greater than John the Baptist. This came out of the womb of a woman. No man that's ever been born. You can't, you got to preach the gospel. You have to preach the truth, my brother and sister. You want to know the truth, what truth works for you? Truth works for you. And if you'll take the advice that the lawyer gave to Jesus, you will, your, your problem days will be over, my brother and sister. But your miracle days will begin to happen. And oh my God, you talk about miracles. And I'm not just talking about healing miracles. I'm talking about all kinds of financial miracles. I'm talking about miracles for your children, miracles for your business. I'm talking about just all kinds of miracles. And miracles for your children too. And I know what it is. I know what it is to have a devil-possessed daughter that nobody can reach, that she's on dope. Nobody can reach her. Nobody, nobody can reach her. I had the best ministers in the land to come to my house try to reach her. <laughs> they talked to her, but she still kept taking dope. But I just kept on praying, and I just kept on walking the floor, and I kept worshiping Jesus, and I kept worshiping Jesus, and I kept praying, and I kept worshiping Jesus, because five of her little friends had died and gone to hell. Because they were a dope addict bunch that run together. They went to nightclubs and horse races and beach parties, and five of her little friends had already died. I didn't want her to die and go to hell. I used to pray that God would protect her, send power around her, protect her, you know. When 10 of them would get in the car on dope and see how fast they could take the curbs on Friday night and Saturday night without turning over, see if they could outrun the cops and sit up in one car, just all that junk all the time, all that time, and overdosing on drugs and drowning in the lake and drowning on the beach and catching on stuff on fire and couldn't get off because they were on dope too much, just all kind of goofed up devilish things. But I just kept on praying. I know the hell of it to live in a house with a devil-possessed daughter. Especially when you love that child with all of your being. That child is such a part of you. And you can remember the days when the child was little and what good times you had when the child was growing up, going on picnics and swimming, the little child climbing in, everything else, all you, rel you relive everything. When you go to five funerals and stand and look at five young people dead in the casket, it'll make believers out of you that the devil will kill young people. And every day he'd tell me, he'd say, yours is next. Yours will be next. Yours will be next. But I kept on trusting God. I kept on trusting God and I kept on worshiping Jesus, kept on worshiping Jesus and kept on praying, kept on confessing, kept on binding the devil and I kept on worshiping Jesus. Did you ever get discouraged? No, I never did get discouraged about nothing. I refused to get discouraged. If I told my whole family, I said, I'm not going to hell before you. They'd say, where are you going next week, Norval? You're going to Dallas, Texas and win some kids to God. Where are you going next weekend, Daddy? You're going to New York to win some kids to God. Where are you going next weekend? You're going to Albuquerque and win some people to God. But it makes you feel funny to go around the country winning other men's kids to God and can't even win your own, don't it? Don't it make you feel funny? Don't it make you feel funny? You have your family to say that to you a few times. It'll cut everything in you out, nearly. One minute you want to knock them in the head because they don't have any sense don't have no appreciation for the gospel, then the next moment you feel sorry for them. Just absolutely feel sorry for them. People even think that way you feel sorry for them. I told my whole family, and I'll be telling them when I take my last breath, 
Yes, I'm going to Dallas next weekend, Albuquerque next weekend, New York the next weekend. Next time you see me, I'll be winning souls for Jesus, laying my hands on the sick and having people receive miracles or casting out devils. I said, because I'm not going to hell with you all, I'm going to heaven. Now, if you want to join me on a heaven train, get in the caboose and I'll drag you. But I know exactly what this woman went through with. Real quickly, I know exactly what she went through with. Notice the 21st verse there in the 15th chapter. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Jesus, I have a, I have a child, a daughter this devil possessed. Well, tell me about it. I had one myself. I know exactly how she felt. You can't help the child, you can't reach the child, and all you do, all you do is try to find some way, figure out some way you can reach this child, keep this child out of hell. And she was trying to find the Lord, crying, crying, asking for mercy, and the Lord wouldn't even talk to her. Now you might say, hey, Brother Noble, come again, what'd you say, what'd you say? I said Jesus wouldn't even talk to her. I thought you said that she belonged to him, and she came to him crying and asking for mercy. That's what I said. What did you say Jesus wouldn't do? I said he wouldn't even talk to her. That don't get the attention of the Lord. But there's anything wrong with her. She prayed a selfish prayer, asking for a selfish thing. She said, help me, O Lord. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. I read the Word of God and tried to worship God and praise Him to keep myself strong, and I prayed the mercies of God upon my daughter, upon my daughter, upon my daughter. And that's why He came. God, I, nobody could reach my daughter, and God sent an angel into my daughter's house about 5.30 one morning into her room and scared all the dope devils out of her. <laughs> How long did it take you? It took me three years. How long did it take this woman? Not very long, because she had more sense than I had. <laughs> See, I have a lot of, God don't deal in ignorance. If you're ignorant, God can't bless you to speak of it all. He does all he can for you, but God is not ignorant, my brother and sister. He does not deal in ignorance in no shape, form, or fashion. He deals in the Bible. He deals in intelligence. He deals in you believe in God's eternal word. That's what God deals with. All right, now notice closely. You say, Jesus wouldn't talk to her? Notice the 23rd verse. But he answered her not a word. Not even one word. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. Look at me, congregation. Look at me, America. Jesus is not interested in sending you away without your miracle, without your healing, without your family going to heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ is not interested in sending you away any place. Of course, you could come back at me and say, well, Brother Norval, if he's not, why don't he save my family then? He will if I can get your head screwed on straight. Because I've already been through it. This woman here has already been through it. He wouldn't talk to her. I prayed to God for years for my devil-possessed daughter. It was like he didn't hear me. And I just kept on believing, kept on in faith, and kept on worshiping Jesus, 
kept on believing. This dispensation you're living under now, under the New Testament, under the, under the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're living under the dispensation of faith. You have to believe that you got something before you get it. And you don't give up either. Faith never gives up. Faith never sees the pitfalls from the prayer to the manifestation. Real faith, the Abraham kind of faith, never sees any pitfalls. It never sees any unbelief. It just goes on day by day, month by month, year by year, saying, it's mine in Jesus' name, it's mine. Devil, you can, you'll not send my daughter to hell. No, you won't. I know you've sent my friends' children to hell in town, but I'm not my friends. And I'm going to worship Jesus, and I'm going to do everything I can for him. And you're not, you can't have my daughter, you thief, in Jesus' name. You can't have her. I'm telling you, devil, you can't have her. And just keep on worshiping the Lord. Keep on passing out tracts. Keep on doing the things for God. And you'll find out what God will do for you. No human being could reach my daughter. She was too flaky. But God sent an angel in her room and scared her so bad. Ow! Why did the angel scare her? Because he was big as two men. He just walked in and sat down beside of her bed and looked at her. And when you're as big as two men and you just come in from heaven, all you have to do is just show up. You don't have to have no vocal ministry. Just show up, that's all. Just show up and look. She went, ow! <laughs> then he gets up out of the floor, starts walking down the hallway in my house, and she runs to the door. She's always been real nosy. <laughs> she runs to the door and watches him, and he walks down the hallway and turns left and walks right through the wall, right through the air. She goes, ow, again. <laughs> then she was really scared. But that's all right. I don't care how God does it, just as long as he does it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You might say, Brother Noble, is there an easier way to get God to manifest himself, to get Jesus to perform miracles, to get Jesus to manifest himself? Is there an easier way to get God to find favor in, in you or in me without praying for three years? There is the easier way. I'm sorry to say at that time I didn't know it as much as I should. If I'd have known it as much as I should have known it, I was doing the best I could, but I would have spent more time, 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 more time. More time what? More time. Are you listening closely? More time, America, worshiping Jesus. What? I thought we was going to have a landslide tonight. What? Come again? Are you kidding? More time, the more time you spend worshiping Jesus, the more favor you find with him. Right. Glory be to God. You spend five minutes a day worshiping Jesus, you get five minutes of favor. You spend one hour worshiping Jesus, you get one hour of favor with God. He'll do one hour's work for you. If you want God to work for you big, spend a half a day or all day worshiping Him. And He'll give you anything you want. I said, He'll give you anything you want. 
worship Jesus normal, people tell me sometimes at the church I go to during song service. Well, dear God, Larry and Vicky used to travel with me. If you can't worship God when they sing, well, you're, you're, you're not even saved. <laughs> and that's all good. See, that's their ministry to train you, to train you. But when little Vicky stands up here and worships the Lord, and Larry stands up here and worships God and gets you to worship God, gets you to worship God, that's not just to come here in service and see them do it and watch them do it. You're supposed to do it every day, every day, every day. Yeah, all right, Lord, I'll tell that. God just reminded me of something about Vicky. When Larry, Larry and Vicky first started traveling with me, uh, we had a condominium down in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, so I, uh, we went down there one day, and uh, I went upstairs, and, and uh, I just began to worship Jesus in a room there over next to the window. I just began to worship the Lord, worship the Lord, and begin to worship Him, praise Him. God says what you do in secret, I'll reward you openly. And I had been worshiping Jesus very long, and all of a sudden I was in His holy presence. And the tears were streaming down my face, and God just coming in and guffed me. I mean, just absolutely began to bless me. I walked downstairs, and, and Vicky saw me, and the anointing of God was all over me. God was blessing me so much I couldn't understand it. And Vicky saw me. I said, oh, Vicky, we're going to have a good meeting, honey. Glory to God. I was just praying and worshiping the Lord while I go upstairs there in that room over by the window. And I said, the Lord, the Lord came in on me. I tell you, the Lord's up there. And I turned around a few minutes. She went upstairs and got in that room over by the window. God? <laughs> you remember that, Mickey? Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> I thought that was so cute. She says, I went up there normal before you said you got it. <laughs> well, it's, anybody that hungry is going to get it, I can tell you that. If you, make a, if you make a stumble towards God like that, you're going to get it. I'm telling you right now, God's going to give it to you. Totally going to give it to you. What did she do with a devil-possessed daughter? Notice, what do you do to get God's attention anyway? What can you and me do to, to get God's attention? To get Jesus to find favor with you and me? To get him to answer our prayers? Or get him to give us what we need? Or perform the miracle for us what we need? What is God's number one thing that God wants us to do to find favor? Notice what she did here. Notice the 21st, 23rd verse said, But Jesus answered not a word. Then notice the 25th verse. Then came she, this is the mother of a devil-possessed daughter, then came she and worshipped him. Everybody say that. Worship him. Now this is the mother of a devil-possessed daughter. Then came she and worshipped him. Well, you might say, well, what did Jesus think about that? Well, he said he put her to a little test. And he'll always put you to a little test too to see how sincere you are. If you're just worshipping him to get him to do something for you, or if you're worshiping him because that you truly love him. Amen. If you're going to worship Jesus because I told you to tonight to get him to do great things for you, it won't work for you. I can tell you right now, it won't work for you. You're going to have to fall in love with him and see yourself on the way to hell and Jesus came by and rescued you. You're going to have to see that, fall in love with him from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, that you'll spend time worshiping him, worshiping him, and then this is what you're going to get. get. Notice what he said to her, put it to a little test. You'll be put through some kind of a test. But he answered and said, It is not meant to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. But she said, Truth, Lord. This is what you call a free woman. Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. 
Just go ahead. I mean, don't make no difference what you call me, Jesus. You're my master, and that's the way it is. And I'll be worshiping you the rest of my life, and that's the way it is. With the devil-possessed daughter, without her, anything else, you're my master. And dogs, if you're calling me a dog, I'm telling you that dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. I eat the crumbs that fall from your table, Jesus, because you are the master of my life, and my life belongs to you totally. And when she said that, look what, look what he said when she said that. Then Jesus answered her and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thy wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Everybody say 60 minutes. 60 minutes. Or less. Or less. God's, power God's power shot over another house power. and set that devil-possessed daughter free. free. The mother wasn't even there. Say, where was the mother? Look at me and I'll show you. Worshiping Jesus. Worshiping Jesus. Worshiping Him. Jesus just told you, learn of me. Don't be religiously brainwashed to the point that you just drive yourself up the wall trying to take care of everything. You don't spend no time worshiping Jesus. You got a bunch of programs, but you don't spend no time worshiping Jesus. Don't allow your own personal life to get involved with that. Work real hard for God. Yes, work real hard for God. But always give Jesus some time that you can just worship him. If you will, the yoke of the Lord is easy and his burden is light, my brother and sister. But you're going to have to learn to put first things first. Learn to put first things first. Well, if I do it, then what happens? You get total victory. You mean God will perform miracles for me? Are you kidding me? God will perform miracles for you all the time. He'll perform miracles for you with your body. He'll perform miracles for you with your mind. He'll make your mind keener and sharper than it ever was. He'll perform miracles for you in your spirit. The gifts of the Spirit will begin to flow through you and flow through you and flow through you and flow through you and flow through you. They'll just come to you as they're needed. You can't make the gifts of the Spirit operate. All the nine gifts of the Spirit has been given to me for years and years and years. All nine of them. They get, God gives them to me for years and years and years. He's given them to me. You mean, do you have them? No, I don't have nothing except the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's all I have. And uh, unless, he gave me, unless he tells me to give me something special. But as it's needed... The Spirit of God manifests Himself, and they flow as, as the Spirit wills, my brother and sister, as the Spirit wills. I don't own the gifts of the Spirit. I don't have the gifts of the Spirit that I can make them function and operate anytime I want to. The gifts of the Spirit does not function and operate anytime you want them to. They function and operate as the Spirit wills. But I am telling you boldly, when you need something from God, and you need one of the gifts of the Spirit to operate, the Holy Ghost will manifest Himself and give you that particular gift in that particular situation to help you and bring you victory. That is now, if you know the gifts of the Spirit, if you haven't studied the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, you don't know anything about it, then you, have, you don't know that God said, don't be ignorant of these gifts, then it won't work for you because you don't know anything about the gifts. The only part of the Bible that ever works for you is the part that you know. You say, well, I don't ever read the Bible very much. God's not going to ever do anything for you to speak of. You'll get an overflow of blessing here at the church if you'll come 
and follow Larry and Vicky in a song service, and that'll be about all you get. You won't be getting any great miracles from God. You'll get a little overflow blessing. You're going to have to know what God says, boldly claim it, and do what God tells you to do. If you will, the Lord will come to you and find favor with you, and he'll give you any kind of a miracle that you want. Absolutely any kind. It doesn't make a difference what it is. He'll give you any kind. Now, real quickly, turn with me, please, to the book of Matthew, chapter 8. In the book of Matthew. Remember, the devil-possessed daughter was set free in 60 minutes or less because the mother worshipped Jesus, because the mother worshipped the Lord Jesus Christ. Put first things first. Worship the Lord Jesus Christ. You mean God performs miracles for people like that? Are you kidding? God will do anything that you possibly want. If I could talk to you into believing this tonight. If I could talk to you and say, well, I believe it, Brother Norval. I believe it. No, no, I'm not talking about believing it with your head. I'm talking about believing it with your knees. It doesn't do you 15 cents worth of good for nothing to tell me that you believe something with your head and speak it with your mouth if you're not going to do it. Faith is dead without action. God wants to see you on your knees worshiping Him or walking the floor worshiping Him and praising Him and praising Him. And always remember this. What God sees you do in secret, He gives you great and mighty rewards for it openly. No wonder your pastor preaches like he does. No wonder these churches like it is. He is back to a while ago worshiping Jesus and praising Him and walking the floor for 20 or 30 minutes before service. If you do that too, walk the floor about 20 or 30 minutes before you come to the service in your house, asking God to anoint Bob, asking God to anoint the service, asking God to do this. If you, if, if you all would do that, or just worship the Lord and praise Him and bring this church before Him. Why, dear, you couldn't even have a healing service. You'd never have a healing line in this church to speak of. They'd all get healed just sitting there when they walked in. That's really the way it's supposed to be if you want to know the truth. Healing lines are good. They're wonderful, you know, and I have them all the time. But boy, if you could ever get yourself in one mind and one accord, and if you'd begin to worship him and praise him and worship him, there's a difference. Now, Larry and Vicky knows this because they're in that ministry. There's a, there's a vast difference, my brother and sister, in praising the Lord and worshiping him. You can praise him with your mouth, praise him in the morning, praise him in noontime, praise him at night. That's right, and you praise him, and you can praise him, and you can praise him. You can praise his name, and, and God says, you better praise me. If you don't, I'll have the trees and rocks to cry out to me and praise me. God loves the praises. But to worship God, honey, you're going to have to get beyond praise. You're going to have to shut yourself off from the world and begin to worship Him. And you begin to worship Him. Oh, God. Oh, God, there is none like you on the earth, none. Oh, God, there is none. And you all made us to prosper as long as we sought the Lord. Oh, God, I shut myself off in the whole world, and I come into thy holy presence, Lord. Only give me, oh, God, in my ministry and in my life what I can stand. Never let me receive a blessing that I can't stand that would destroy me, oh, God. Lord, never let me put money and stuff before you, Jesus. Lord, I worship you, and I want to be close to you, God. I worship you, and I worship you, God. There is no, no other gods in my life. I won't know the gods in my life. Remove your family from you. Yes, I said your family. Remove your pocketbook. Remove your ministry. 
Remove your position. Just for a few seconds, a few minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and worship Him only. Worship Him only. Just worship Him only. It's good to worship God with your family. It's good to worship God with your friends. But what God sees you do alone in secret, He will reward you mightily in the open. How will He do it? <laughs> You'll never have a sad day. You'll never have a financial need. Never, not one. Never. If you ever have one, he'll fill it for you just like that. I told Bob today, I said, the kind of gospel you preach, Bob, you might as well, the only thing, I told him, going to lunch. I said, Bob, the kind of gospel you preached this morning, I got news for you, buddy. You might, the only thing you're ever going to be doing is building buildings. I heard one of the greatest messages from Bob Tilton this morning in this church to the body of Christ. One of the greatest, greatest messages I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. For the body of Christ. Yeah. I tell you, the, the world is tired of a gospel that don't work. The world is tired of it. Jesus did things to the Bible, but he don't do them now. That's not the way he is, my brother and sister. Anything you find in here that he did then, he'll do it right now. But you're going to have to come his way. Oh, well, I read that. Yeah, well, let him do it for me, you know. No, that's not the way you get it. No, that's not the way you get it. You shut yourself off from the world and you enter into his holy presence. Enter into the holy mountain of God. You'll always have peace. You'll always have patience. It's amazing the mighty miracles he'll do for you. It'll just happen. His angels work for you like giants when you enter into his presence and begin to worship him. If you have a need in your life that's about to bug you and drive you up the wall, the greatest thing that you could ever possibly do is talk to that mountain and talk to that need in Jesus' name and tell it to go, and then start spending time worshiping Jesus, worshiping him, worshiping him, worshiping him. If you don't ever spend time worshiping God, I'm not sure he even knows you too well. I'm sure maybe if you're born again, he knows you some, the free pardon of sin, but you're operating under a men's doctrine and God don't like it. God said, don't operate under men's doctrines. Don't, do not operate under men's doctrines. It's the doctrines of men. Doctrines of men. Doctrines of men. All right, turn with me back to the 15th chapter of the book of St. Matthew one more time. You don't have this marked in your Bible now. I read it to you once, but mark it again because the Lord checked me on again. This is what will get you if you forget this. Or at the eighth verse, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. God don't want you teaching doctrines the commandments of men. He wants you to listen to his commandments. And the first commandment is the most important one. You've got to learn to put first things first. just like the lawyer told Jesus. It's the same thing when God gave it to Moses on the mountain. The first commandment is still first. Even though it's the Old Testament, it's still first, number one. And loving thy neighbor as thyself 
is number two, and that's the way it'll always be. Notice back over to the eighth chapter now of the book of St. Matthew. You're going to find out that God will perform all kinds of miracles when you worship Him or anybody else. He will, you too. Eighth chapter of the book of Matthew, the first verse. When He was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed Him. Jesus coming down from the mountain. And behold, there came a leper, incurable disease, and what did the leper do? Say that again. Say that again. Saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And the Bible says right there in the third verse, and immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Right then. What for? Why? What did the guy do? To go to a gospel service? To hunt 14 evangelists? To get a lot of people praying for him? No. He came for help. And he came and began to worship him, and the miracle happened to him. I mean, God's power came over him when he began to worship the Lord. Found favor with God, came over him, and the leprosy disappeared, and God put new skin upon him. Totally put new skin upon him. I've had that to happen to me and when I'd be ministering. Now, Bill, I don't know, I guess you've had it too. Bill's had a lot of miracles happen in his life, and Bob has. I mean, I was ministering one time to a fellow in the Assembly of God church that came to me with, lep with skin cancer all over him. And he said, I want Jesus to remove this. Oh, I want Jesus to help me. I want Jesus to remove this. Uh, this is another whole other avenue of ministry because I reached out like this and touched him in Jesus' name. I cursed this stuff and I commanded to die and get off of his body. He turned around and sat down like this, you know, from the altar. It went over four or five seconds. They started to sit down like this. He went, ow! He says, my hands are new. I got new skin on me. Look at 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 me. I got new skin all over me. That happened one Sunday night in the Assembly of God Church in Mississippi in the altar. Probably happened tonight in Dallas, Texas, too, since the Lord has not changed. So it happened in your church also. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, real quick, like, real quick, like, I need to get this invitation out of the way, but I need, need to do it because uh, I know that I, I, I'm where, I have already been where you're at and I didn't like it for three years, and I know you don't like it either one. Now, you remember the devil-possessed daughter in the Bible I read to you a while ago? And her mother came and began to worship Jesus and how he moved upon her, and how in 60 minutes or less, because the parent began to worship Jesus, God found favor with her, and God's power shot over in the room where she's at and drove all the devils out of her, and she was totally free. Every one of you parents right now and all of you churches across America all of you parents in any church in America that's got this satellite, all of you parents in this big congregation here in Dallas, Texas, you have got children that's not saved. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet all over America. You've got children that's not saved. I want you to stand to your feet. Say, so what are you going to do, Brother Nova? You want to pray for my children? I'm not going to do anything first. I get out of the will of God. Praying sometimes don't work because you don't put first things first. I want all of you parents standing here. Looks like there's several hundred parents standing here because this church has got 4,000 seats. And parents all over America in every church, I don't want you to ask God nothing right now, not one thing. All I want you to do, all of you parents that's got children that's not saved, I want you to close your eyes reverently. 
And I want you to begin to worship Jesus. Worship Him. Worship Him. Your child needs a miracle. Worship Him. Worship Him. Worship Jesus. Worship Him. Begin to worship Him. Don't do anything else. Worship Him. Cut yourself off for about one minute from me. Cut yourself off from your mate. Cut yourself off from your family. Cut yourself off from the church. Cut yourself off from everybody in the world and begin to worship Jesus. Think about the goodness of the Lord. Think about His death on the cross. Think about His blood being shed just for you that your child can be clean and white as snow. Think about the love of God that passeth all understanding. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Think about the Lord. Get your mind on God once and for all. Get it on there right now just for a few minutes, a few seconds. Get it on God. Get it on the Lord Jesus Christ and His saving power. Don't even think about your child that's devil-possessed. Don't even think about him right now. Begin to worship Him. Just worship Him. Worship Him. Oh, Jesus, I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. Oh, God, there is no one on earth like you, Jesus. Not a one, Lord. There is no one in my life like you, Jesus. My life belongs to you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I want no other gods before you in my life, Jesus. I want no other gods before you in my life, Jesus. Worship Him. Worship Him. Worship Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now then, look up here at me, and all of you open your eyes across America and look at me and say, Brother Norville, I want Jesus to save my child. I present my child to Jesus. I take my hands off of my child. I don't want my children to go to hell. I want my children to be saved. Look up to heaven now. That's where all the help comes from. Say, Jesus, I give you my child. I give you all of my children. Say, Jesus, please save my children. Don't let my children go to hell. There will be no other gods in my life before you. I will worship you from this day forward. And I believe in my heart because the Bible teaches it that you love me as much as you love the woman that had a child, devil-possessed. And I say with my mouth, I believe it in my heart that my child, all of my children, will never go to hell, but they will go to heaven. Satan, I bind you, and I command you, take your hand off of my children. I command my children to be free from the devil's power. I set my children free in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus, I will always worship you, and I will always praise you. And I'll always give you all the glory all the days of my life. Now raise your hands and do it again. Worship him again. Worship him again. 
Worship Him again. Everybody in those churches across America, raise your hands and begin to worship Jesus. Join the parents there that has a broken heart where their child was concerned. Join them and begin to worship Him and praise Him and worship Him and praise Him. Worship Him and praise Him. Worship Him and praise Him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord God forever. All right, in Jesus' name, all of you sweet parents may be seated. We'll change the order of the service. But now listen to me. Spend time every day worshiping Jesus, and don't let the devil have your children. But you're going to have to spend time worshiping him. The devil's crazy, people. He'll sneak out of your house and, and steal your children away from you. He'll do anything he possibly can to you, but... If you'll spend time worshiping Jesus, I guarantee you, revelation knowledge will come to you and the devil won't be pulling tricks on you. Never. Kenneth Hagin told me one time, he says, no member of my family has ever died except what the Lord showed me. And I went and won them to the Lord. For 40 years, he always showed me that that relative is going to die, this one's going to die, or that one's going to die. That's what you call first-class revelation knowledge from heaven. Does everybody have it, Brother Norville? Hardly nobody has it. Are you kidding me? But I never met a man. I don't think he prayed in tongues as much as Hagen does. I mean, I've, I know him. I've lived with him. I stay in his house all the time. I've worked with him for 15 years. He prays in tongues hours and hours and hours and hours. Praises the name of Jesus and prays in tongues hours and hours and worships the Lord hours and hours. Not just a few hours, lots of hours. Revelation knowledge will come to you in Jesus' name. All right? All of, everybody in the congregations, bow your head, please. Right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I ask you to give your total heart to him and give your total life to him. If you're in this congregation, I'd like for the pastor of every church to stand up in front of his congregation. You and congregations all over America, you here in this big church in Dallas, Texas, I want you to understand that the Lord Jesus Christ gives you peace that passeth all understanding. If you're sitting in here tonight and you don't, you don't have perfect peace in your life, you say, Brother Norval, I just don't have perfect peace. But God in heaven knows I want perfect peace. I've got to have perfect peace. 